All right, New Year's Day at church. Uh, the obvious title for the sermon is New Year, New You. And we will, uh, we will be going over seven steps to keeping your New Year's resolution for the year. The first step is... Uh, the, the first step is you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that you can actually do it. The second step is that you set goals that are, uh, that are realistic and that you can, you can do and you can accomplish. And the third, no, I'm just kidding. That's not really how we're going to do this. You know, that's not really how we roll. Uh, it's not going to do a whole lot for me to stand up here and give you seven steps to a new you. Uh, because if I stand up here and I give you seven steps to a new you, uh, then, then frankly, whatever it is that you're, you're, you're dealing with in life, whatever, whatever it is that you're going through in life, uh, is, is, uh, if it's simple enough for me to give you seven steps on how to fix it, uh, then you could probably fix it on your own anyway. Uh, and that is not, uh, that is not our goal. And, uh, every year I have so much hope for my new year's sermon. It is one of my favorite sermons to give. Um, it's one of my favorite, I don't think y'all appreciate it as much as I do, uh, but uh, it's one of my favorites. I love the idea of New Year's resolutions. I love the, 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 uh, what is kind of built into our culture, although I'll be honest, I think we're losing it just a little bit, but, but one of the few times it's built into our culture for self-reflection, uh, for kind of looking back on the year, kind of taking stock on what the year has been, looking forward to the new year. Uh, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of in a culture built on moving on to the next thing and full of distraction, to have a day that is somewhat set aside for reflection on what has been and what will be and encourages, encourages us to set goals and, and uh, to better ourselves and better our lives, I think all that's a win. I think all that is good stuff. Now, whether or not you'll take advantage of the day and you'll use it for those purposes, I don't know. That's totally up to to you, and I'd love nothing more than to get up here uh, and, and pump sun, sunshine about how great this year is going to be and how, uh, how you can do it, whatever it is that it, whatever it is for you, whatever that thing is for you, uh, about how 2023 and January 1st is a time for new beginnings, and this is your moment. If you just have faith and believe in yourself, um, as if those two things go together, but if you just have faith and believe in yourself, uh, then you'll be fine. And uh, I, I would love to do that, and and in all honesty, here's what I know: if I can convince you, if I can fire you up with a sermon like that, and convince you uh, to do anything, uh, it's probably only going to work for a couple of days. Um, and for a few of you, that might be all you need to kind of give you that push to some big resolution that's going to change your life. But I think for most of us, life is too big, life is too hard. It's too complicated, our schedule's too busy, and our problem's too significant for a sermon like that to work, at least to work in any way that really matters. Um, and honestly, if a motivational speech is what you need, then your life probably looks very different than most of the people in this room this morning. And the reality is that you don't need a rah-rah cheerleader up here from me. What you need is a deep and abiding truth that you can cling to when the joy of life is overwhelming and when the sorrow of life seems unbearable. And the truth of God's word and the hope of the gospel 
is far more important than any kind of like rah-rah, kick off the year, new year, new you speech that I can give you. So what we're going to do this morning uh, is we're going to look at a passage we've looked at before here at Providence, but it follows where we are here in Luke, and it's one of my favorite passages to look at uh, in the new year, and we're going to, I think it's going to be exactly what what we need. It's a story about two people that know a lot about bitter disappointment, that know a lot about uh, kind of unfulfilled desires and unfulfilled hopes, and, and, and two people that know a lot about, about how desperately they needed to cling to hope. It's a story that happens right after uh, the Christmas story in the book of Luke, about 40 days or so to be exact, and you'll find it in the book of Luke chapter 2. So Luke chapter 2 uh, is where we're going to be this morning. And I'll tell you up front, this sermon is going to be a little bit shorter than normal, um, but our prayer time is going to be a little bit longer uh, than normal. So it'll kind of balance itself out in the end, I believe. Um, so in Luke chapter 2, what's happened is Jesus has been born, the, the shepherds have come, they visited at the manger, all has, uh, has happened. And what's called for after a Jewish child is born is that baby and, uh, and mother, 40 days after the child is born, after the mother is no longer ritually unclean, is that they would uh, go to the temple for the child to be dedicated. Essentially, it was a time for parents to confirm that their son was in fact Jewish, that he would be part of God's people, and that God was welcome to do with that child whatever it is that God pleased. It was basically baby dedication day for them. So Mary and Joseph are prepared to do that. They show up at the temple uh, to do the uh, for at, at the appropriate time, and that's when we meet our characters for today's story. And first up is a crazy old man named Simeon. So this is Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, and the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this, was, this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the, uh, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ." And he came in the spirit, uh, and he came in, in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, this being Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, "Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel." So. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus show up at the temple for what I, I assume they thought was going to be a quiet, peaceful, probably somewhat anonymous ceremony, just kind of going through the ritual of, uh, of this purification, kind of this dedication time. They would kind of sneak in, sneak out, do their thing, and they would move on. Uh, they would just kind of get out of there and then uh, and, and when, that, when, they, when they come in there, this guy kind of comes out of nowhere. He kind of comes out of nowhere, and, and, and he comes up to baby Jesus, and he starts singing this song. He starts shouting this praise, kind of grabs Jesus, picks him up, spins him in circles, and starts hugging their baby boy. At least that's how I imagine this scene probably uh, looked. And, and, 
You know, maybe, maybe Mary and Joseph walking in there had thought they would be anonymous and this would be quick and easy, but, but now uh, they're starting to realize things with this child, Jesus, uh, now that he's been born. Not only were they crazy before he was born, it doesn't look like they're going to settle down that much after he is born. Uh, between the, the shepherds showing up and all that has happened there, and, and, and it talks about how Mary kind of treasured those things, pondered those things in her heart, so they had to be asking these questions like, Man, what, 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 what have we gotten ourselves into a little bit? Uh, and they walk into the temple, and then this guy comes over and says, this is the one, this is the one that I've been uh, looking for. And they kind of stand there, and they watch this man, and, and, and they're kind of amazed what is going on and, and, and what is happening. So let's learn a little bit about this guy, Simeon. First off, it says that he is righteous and devout. Now, in the Bible, you're not called righteous and devout because you go to church on Sundays and you put a little money in, in, in the offering box back in the back or in the plate whenever it goes by. That doesn't get you called righteous and devout. You're called righteous and devout because you believe God and you act in a way that is consistent with this abiding truth, with this, with this faithfulness to who God is and who you are to his word. So you get called righteous and devout when you truly believe what God says, and you live as though that is true. You're only called righteous and devout whenever that's who you are at your very core. That is Simeon. That is who our guy Simeon is. This was a man that went to bed praying that God would deliver Israel. This is a man that woke up singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, long before that song was ever written. He ate and drank and breathed faith in God, that God would, would, would indeed hold to his promise and deliver them, that he was uh, a, a, a this man, as we can tell, whenever we start kind of getting into the, the Gospels a little bit, this was a man that was increasingly rare in Israel. This was a man that was harder to find. Yet day in, day out, he goes to the temple looking for God to deliver on his promises. Can you imagine being in his shoes? Praying for something that that you know to be true because God has said it is true, but never seeing it. Never seeing it come to fruition. As this year begins, maybe that is something that you can relate to because you've been praying about something over the course of the last year or maybe the last several years. Maybe it's a, a sin that you're trying to be done with and you're trying to kill. Maybe it's, it's kind of conquering a bad habit that you can't seem uh, to break. Maybe it's fixing or maybe even saving your marriage and you're praying, but you see no uh, progress in that. Maybe it's discipling your children. You've been praying about how to do that and you just can't figure out how to do it. Maybe it's all kinds of different things you've been praying about and you've been saying, God, I need you to show up. I need you to be faithful. I need you to be here for me in this moment. And you just can't see it. You just, you, you believe it's true, but in the moment it's like, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. Maybe you can relate to Simeon because that's where he would be. This thing that you keep hoping will happen, but you kind of, you've not given up, but it's hard to believe that it's going to happen because it just, it just feels like another thing. It feels like the cliched New Year's resolution that you're never going to be able to follow up on. 
that you've made the same New Year's resolution for 10 years now, you've, met, you, you, you've offered up the same prayer, you've asked the same thing to be true, and none of it happens. Well, my, my challenge to you this morning is that you, you kind of let Simeon's faith be your challenge, your guide this morning, to put away your cynicism just for a little bit. To put away your cynicism and, 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 and to say, well, well, wait a minute. If this guy still had faith, maybe I can too. He had plenty to be cynical about. Let, let's think about the circumstances in which Simeon was living. Herod ruled with a savage brutality. Rome was dominant almost everywhere that they looked. And Israel looked like after 400 years that God had pretty much forgotten them. They were just kind of this vassal state to Rome. They weren't, they weren't anything. They weren't, they, they weren't this big powerful nation. They weren't a light to the other nations. They weren't really any of the things that they were supposed to be according to the Old Testament. And they had not heard from God in over 400 years. And yet Simeon knew God could do anything. And that he would be faithful to his promises. My encouragement to you this morning is if you don't have that faith this morning, maybe borrow just a little bit of Simeon's. Maybe borrow just a little bit of his faith where he shows up at that temple every day saying, God, you promised that this Messiah would come. You promised that he would be here. I'm here looking for him because I believe what you said is true. Maybe believe like he does in a God that can move in your life this year. This year can be the year that you finally kill that sin. This year can be the year that you gain a discipline you had not had, that you lead your family, that you save your marriage, that you grow in your walk. All of those things can happen. My challenge to you, for some of you this morning, is stop being cynical and start being faithful. Take the step of, uh, the, the, the first step of obedience. That would be what I would, would challenge you to this morning, is just take that first step of obedience, but be prepared to take the next. And that is what faithfulness looks like. You know, part of the reason why I, I, I think this year can be so daunting for some people and why so many of you, I didn't even ask because I, I know from years past, why so many of you don't even bother with New Year's resolutions uh, is because when you make a New Year's resolution, usually it looks so big, so grand, so difficult, so far removed from your present reality that you just say, you know what? I, I, there's no way I could accomplish that. So I'm not even going to put that out there uh, because I don't want to pretend that I would do that. And here's the thing. The only way that you, you're, you're, you're ever going to make progress in your faith and grow in who you are in Christ is you just take the next step of faithfulness. Just take the next step. And so that's my challenge for you this morning. The next step for Simeon looked like showing back up at the temple the next day and the next day and the next day. You know, I wonder if whenever he was... 25, 30 years old, whenever this started for this elderly man, if, if he was told, you're going to show up at the temple every day for the next 50 years looking for the Christ, and you're, never, you're not going to see him any of those times, I wonder if he would have said, well, I'm not going to do it. There's no way I can do that. That's too, that's too discouraging. That's too difficult. I can't do that. But see, God doesn't lay it out for us like that. All he says is, take the next step. Do the next thing. And that's what the challenge is from Simeon. 
to do what God has called, to, to take that first step of obedience and to live not in cynicism but in faithfulness. I want you to look again at what Simeon says in verse 29. He says, this is after he finally gets to hold Jesus, see Jesus. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. We're not told how he knows this is the Christ, but he is, he is without a doubt knows this is the Messiah. Whenever Jesus shows up and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It's a short little prayer, but it is a beautiful insight into this person, Simeon, where he finds his hope. Simeon wants to know where Israel will find its salvation. Simeon wants to know what it looks like whenever this Messiah shows up. Where does Israel have hope is his question. And then when Jesus shows up, he sees what it is. It's in that little child. It's not in political appeasement of, of Rome or of Herod. It's not in some military revolution that so many of the disciples were looking for. It's not, it's not in the, 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 the religious tradition of the Pharisees. None of those things are the place for hope, according to, to Simeon. What he sees is the only place that he has any hope is in Jesus. And that is it. That's where he knew he'd find his hope. All that other stuff was noise. All that other stuff was nonsense. He needed a Messiah. And at, it, at, at last, his hopes and his prayers are answered when he sees Jesus. So what did he do at that point? What did that mean to him? So he sees Jesus. What was he ready to do next? Does he go and plant a church does he go and start a revolution? Does he go and recruit an army? Does he go and, 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 and challenge and thumb his nose at Herod? Does he do any of those things? No. What does it say that he's ready for? He says he's ready to die. He says he's ready to die. And why? Because he lived for one thing. One thing alone. He wanted to know Jesus. That was it. That was his life's goal. He wanted to know Jesus. And now that he had met this Savior, now that he had seen this, and, and all of God's promises are confirmed in this one little child, all of those promises are confirmed. He knows that, he intuits that, he, he gathers that, that, that all of the waiting that he had spent decades for, for hoping for, all of the, the hopes, the waiting, all of that is fulfilled in this moment He's got everything that he needs. He doesn't want anything else. He doesn't want to move on. He's got all that he needs. That was his life's goal. That he had met Jesus. And now that he'd met Jesus, he didn't need anything else. But until that moment, he would not be stopped. He was there every day looking for Jesus. I pray that is your story this year. That whatever it is that, that, that your background is, for Simeon, it's, it's decades of waiting. It's decades of showing up. It's decades of trusting in promises that he can't see that according to everything else going on around him don't look like they're going to come to fruition, but trusting anyway. 
I don't know what it is for you as you start this new year. What is it around you that says, you know what? You're foolish for trusting God in the midst of this. You know what? You're foolish for trusting God as you pursue this. You know what? You're foolish for trusting God for setting this goal. You're foolish for trusting God after the way that 2022 has gone for you. You're foolish for trusting God in any of these things. Follow the faith of Simeon that says, it may look foolish, but I've got nowhere else to turn. My hope is in this Messiah. My hope is in Jesus. And my prayer for you this year, right now, as we start on this New Year's Day, is that that would be what your year would look like. That it doesn't matter what the outside circumstances are. It doesn't matter what presses down on you. It doesn't matter how, how clear it is that God is with you or how much you struggle to feel that or to know that. Is that you say, I will trust God in the midst of this anyway. Because I need Jesus and nothing else will do. That was Simeon's cry. That is exactly how he built his life. He needed to know Jesus, and that one thing consumed him. It was the only thing that mattered to him. Because after he had gotten it, after he, he met Jesus, he was ready to be done. He was ready to die. My prayer for you this morning is that 2023 would be consumed by your desire to know Jesus every day. Not just by the end of the year. Not just that you would get to December 31st and you would look back and, and think, wow, did I, do I know Jesus a little bit more now than I did at the beginning of this year? No, my prayer is that every day when you wake up, you are consumed with this desire. You are consumed with the desire to be with Jesus and to know him more. Quickly, let's look at one other person uh, in verse 36, I'm going to introduce you to a second person. This is, uh, we, we met Simeon first, and now we're going to look at another, uh, from an elderly man to an elderly lady. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So Simeon, this old man, puts Jesus down. He looks over at a friend that had been there and had been a part of, uh, part of all this waiting with, with him, looks over to his friend, this old lady, uh, that had been offering up the same type of prayer, following the same type of faithfulness, doing the same type of thing, living the same type of faith in this temple. She so desperately wanted to see God show up in Israel, and now too, her faith is made sight. It's two beautiful pictures of faith, rewarded and celebrated. Both of them, the same type of story, faithfully showing up day after day after day for decades and not seeing any evidence that what is happening is true, not seeing any evidence that the promises will come to pass, but believing in spite of that that they would. Two pictures of people that had built their life on two things. One, the promises of God. And two, living their lives as though those promises were true. They built their lives on the promises of God 
and then they live their lives, lives as if those promises were true. You see, it's so easy for us to say, yeah, I believe that God is a good God. I believe that God does this. I believe all these different things. But then we go and build our life kind of hedging our bets, right? We go and we live our life a little bit saying, I'm going to trust God, but I'm also going to make sure about this other stuff that I've got everything under control. I'm going to make sure that I've got what I need. I'm going to make sure that I've got my, 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 my back end covered here just in case God doesn't show. Just in case God doesn't show up that day. I'm going to live that way. But I'm telling you, the way of the righteous and the devout in Scripture is not that you look and you say, you look and you say I'm going to trust that that's true, but just in case I've got it covered for myself. Instead, you look and you say, I'm going to bet my life that it's true, and if God doesn't come through, then this is going to be a problem. This is going to be a big problem, because I need him to show up and be here for me in this life. Do you know the promises of God? And if you do, do you live your life as though they are true? Like Anna and Simeon? Full of purpose? desperate to see God do something amazing, faith that he can do it, and then living as though he will. That's very different than just saying, do you believe in God? One involves just simply kind of mentally saying, this is what I believe. The other says, you're betting your life on it to the point that you've put all your chips in there. And if he doesn't show up, and if he's not real, and if he's not who he says he is, then you come up bankrupt. Those are two very different types of lives. I'm challenging you for this year to live like that is true. But hear me, this is not just some rah-rah speech about how you can do anything if you have Jesus mixed in. That is not what I am saying. Your New Year's resolutions or your desire to be a better person, uh, or, or it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't become a Christian desire simply because you say, this is what I want with a little Jesus sprinkled in. I'm not talking about living this year like you would have without Jesus with just an extra prayer and a few more times at church. That's not what I'm saying. I want us to walk in the full picture of our faith. Simeon's got one more little word for us that I've skipped over, but I want to come back to because I think it's what we really need if we're going to have a fuller picture of what it means to live by faith. In verse 33. So you've got Simeon and Anna, and then this is right here in the middle. After, after Simeon has, has, has declared his, his gratefulness that God has let him see this Messiah, he has this message. Not exactly the kind of message you want if you're a mom and dad at baby dedication, but this is what he says. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. So they marveled about what, was said, what Simeon was saying. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So Simeon, Simeon, after he's overcome by this moment of joy, he looks at Mary, he looks over at Mary, and he gets very, very serious. 
And he says, this little child will be the cause of much pain and much heartache. He will expose the hearts of many men that will fall because of him. Many will hate him. And even you will feel the pain of this hatred, not just him. It's such a stark contrast to the joy that he has just expressed. It's such a different picture to all the joy that we have just witnessed. But it's such a good one as we kind of move past the the Christmas season here. And we remember that Jesus wasn't born in a manger and left there. He was born there so that he could live a life that marched from that day forward to the cross. Simeon knew this to be true. And Simeon's prophecy is right on the money. As Luke writes this story, he's giving this foreshadowing of what's to come with this person of Jesus. That Jesus would soon march to that cross. And that's where Simeon's faith would truly come to fruition. Not in a military revolution, but in the humble sacrifice of a king. This morning, we're going to end up taking the the Lord's Supper, and I'll, I'll come up and kind of explain what that will look like as we do this. But we're going to do it for the same reasons that drove Simeon and Anna to pray. Because God's promises are true, and we will believe them, and we will live as though we believe them. We will begin our 2023 by looking, not so much by looking forward, but by looking back. Looking back to the sacrifice of Jesus. And remind ourselves of what we are going to need to cling to in these moments. When we go through life. We will need the truth of these elements of a body broken, of blood spilt, of evidence that we were not forgotten, that we were not left, that we were not uh, disowned, that we were not dismissed, that we were not cast out, but that he came to rescue us, that he came to get us. We will need evidence of that this year. We will need to know that is true and you will need that far more than seven ways to keep your resolution. We will need the deep and abiding truth of a Savior that was slain for us. We believe that Jesus died on that cross to set us free, to give us new life, to remove our sins, to give us righteousness, to show us hope, to give us a light in the darkness, that even as the darkness tries to conquer the light, we read so much uh, on, on Christmas Eve and on Christmas morning about the light that has come into the world and how the 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 light shines and the darkness has not overcome it. But for a brief moment, it seemed as though the darkness had overcome it. Until the resurrection came. And we will need reminders of that. That even when the darkness looks like it has won, it has not. And we have to be able to live as though that's true. And I can't think of anything more powerful than for us to look at that and consider that on New Year's Day. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to pray, come back up, we're going to sing a song, and then I'm going to come back up and I'm going to walk us through a time of prayer. It's going to be a little bit longer than what we've done, and then after that, I will, we will open the table and we will take the Lord's Supper and we will consider the sacrifice of Jesus. So let's pray. Father, this morning as we start this new year, help us to not latch on to uh, 
to, to kind of empty platitudes, to uh, cliches, to uh, any kind of just like motivational rah-rah stuff, but help us to latch on to something that is abiding, that is true, that is rock solid, that we can cling to, that whenever the waves press in and batter us against the rock, that we are able to cling to Jesus. That that deep abiding truth is so much better than any kind of, any kind of speech we, we, we could come up with. And that when the, the, real, the real difficulties of life, when the real challenges of life, whenever the, the reality of our brokenness, when the reality of our lack of control, when the reality of our smallness hits us, We go back to the cross and remember all the truths that it contains. We go back to an empty tomb that confirms that all of God's promises are true. And that he is trustworthy. Help us to do that. Draw our hearts and our minds into you, into a place of focus this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You're welcome to stand and join us as we worship.